Hey, welcome back. This is Richard Sachs. I'm your host on Lost Arts Radio. This is Lost Arts Radio Live. I hope some of you made it over here from the safe stream version, in case you were willing to follow the the trail through lostartsradio.com. Um, this is a more complete version. And what I really wanted to talk to you, I, you know, it's not like I take all week to prepare for one show. I mean, I'm in of the people who have multiple shows a day and there are some of those that are incredibly good um but for me you know i'm i'm trying to not just decide something to say i want to actually share something that might be inspiring for you to realize the incredible potential that you personally have regardless of everybody else um just incredibly powerful and that you're needed right now. It's kind of an urgent situation in the world. Uh, one of the things that I was going over this week, and you know, I do a lot of other things during the week other than show preparation. I'm involved in the academic world and I'm doing a lot of research and working on health stuff, a um, bunch of other stuff, right? And there's something that has, is a new project that I'll tell you about if we have time at the end here, and I think we will. Um, but one of the things I was reminded of, I, I ran into an old video from the Monterey Pop Festival, which is a bunch of great musicians that came together in, I think it was 1967, when I was still a university student at that time. And um, a couple of years later in 69, uh, Woodstock happened in New York. But the Monterey Pop Festival was in California, and it was actually preceded I think by another rock and roll festival in uh, Marin County, north of San Francisco. And that whole period was when the whole flower child thing happened and um, the Vietnam War was going on. And so people were trying to think of how to stop that. And, that you know, there were a lot of people. I, I was actually drafted in the military at that time, but because of the health situation that I had, I, I couldn't wasn't acceptable to them but it was right up to the last minute and I didn't know what was going to happen but I I met a lot of people who were leaving they had this thing called a lottery at the time where that's how they would choose people to draft people that didn't want to sign up and just take them anyway out of whatever they were doing and um, I met a lot of people involved in that who were very good people not cowards or anything like that. And they were considering leaving the country. And it wasn't because they were afraid to go shoot back and forth at people. It was because, the ones I talked to anyway, it was because they didn't really want to murder the people in Vietnam, the country on on the other side of the world, uh, for no good reason. And there really wasn't a good reason. I mean, if you say it was to fight communism, which... I'm sure that was part of the narrative. You know, there was this, they had this thing called the domino theory at that time. It was on the news shows on TV. And and the theory was, the domino theory, everybody had seen, you know, they didn't have computers and stuff, okay, for the regular people at that time. So they had games like <clears throat> Monopoly, and they played games with dominoes, and little kids played games with jacks that you spin on the ground, they weren't even electronic. I know it's hard to imagine now, but um, they did things physically with 
other actually human people. It, it was incredible. I mean, there are a lot of good points to that. But the domino theory was that, you know what dominoes are, right? I mean, I forget that people are out of touch with that period, which to me seems like five minutes ago. Dominoes are these little black and white, um, and no, they weren't racist. <laughs> there are actual colors called black and white. I've never seen a person uh, who's colored white or colored black in, in my life. They just, I'm sure they'd be very nice people, but they'd be like Frosty the Snowman or, or Charcoal, and people don't usually come in those colors. They come in all different shades of colors, but in order to divide us and make us hate each other about something really stupid, they call us black and white and, you know, brown and yellow. There's almost no people that are bright yellow or bright red, by the way. But if there were, it wouldn't matter. It would be fine. It doesn't matter. It's your costume. But what I was going to say is these little domino things are like two inches by one inch by a quarter inch thick. And they're a rectangular shape in three dimensions. And they'll, they'll stand up on the, on the table or something so you can play a game. And on one side, they just have a design like a back of a playing card or they're all black or, or whatever, depending on the set. And on the other side, they have some white dots, white circles. From, I think they came from one to six or something like that. And so one thing you could do with the dominoes <clears throat> that might sound pretty boring to somebody who plays high-tech video games now, but we didn't have that to compare to. So you stand up the dominoes in a row, and then you push the first domino over, and all the other ones fall down. And I'm sure, again, the video game people are saying, wow, they were that dumb, they played with dominoes. Um, yeah, we did. And it was actually kind of fun for little kids. And when you push one domino over after you line them all up, the other ones fall over one after another. And that was the basis of what they called the domino theory. And the domino theory was if the communists, which are always in the Eastern Hemisphere, they can't be in the Western Hemisphere, that's what the news took as an understanding, that Vietnam was a domino. So if it fell to communism, and most of us had no idea what that even meant, but it sounded really bad. And so if Vietnam fell to communism, then who knows, Thailand and Cambodia and all the other countries out there, eventually Indonesia and all the other countries would be taken over by communism and like we'd all be dead. It would be terrible, even though we didn't really understand at that time, most of us, what communism really was. And so um, that was going on at the time that those rock festivals happened that I mentioned. In general, it was a time that was a lot less crazy, but we didn't have any great grasp of what was going on in the world uh, because all we had was fake fake news, which we thought was real news. Nobody, They didn't have the term, as far as I know. Uh, fake news officially didn't exist because it was all fake news. I mean, why mention anything about it? And we, we did have televisions, which were black and white for quite a while, and then eventually color came out. And we had these three channels on the TV, and we had people talking. Um, well, I guess by the late 60s, it got more channels than that, but primarily three main networks. And they were all talking about, you know, whatever they were told to talk about. We didn't even understand 
that they were all totally controlled at that point. We did understand, however, that there was this thing called war. And you go there and you get killed. And if you wonder about the purpose, it's a general purpose, like fight evil or fight for freedom or fight communism or fight Nazis or whatever you're told that you're going to fight. But actually, there's these other individuals on the other side or people who just live in villages or in the desert or wherever it happens to be. And many of them don't even know. They're not even fighting for anybody and you have to kill them. So it's not really a very good project. And they were taking lots of people out of uh, colleges and in, in young adults in America in the 60s to go and shoot people and bomb people and blow people up in Vietnam and, so, and to some degree unofficially in Cambodia and Thailand and places like that. Um, and some of us realized that's not really a very good thing to do. Because number one, why, why it's like George Washington and others of the founders warned against entangling alliances and uh, meddling in the affairs of foreign countries. And, you know, their, their idea was do business with them where it was appropriate for mutual benefit, but don't go and try to control them. I mean, nobody sane would do that anyway, which is a clue to where it's coming from, right? Uh, because this is not normal to go and uh, take everybody's money through taxes and then fake money through the central banks, which is a whole other issue, and use it to buy weapons like tanks and missiles and bombs and rifles and things like that, and then go and use it to kill as many people as possible in the target country, wherever that is. And often these target countries are decided many years in advance. It's, it's really... It's related to um, that movie, I don't know if you saw it, called Wag the Dog with Dustin Hoffman and I think Robert De Niro was in it and some other good actors. And um, it was showing how wars are planned and organized and it is reminiscent of what Eisenhower said on his departing remarks in his farewell speech. And he said, beware the military-industrial complex. That's what he called it. Those were his exact words. Um, and he talked a little bit about it. I, I don't think he was willing to say get into any great detail because he probably wanted to spend his retirement alive if he could. But um, there is a complex like that that arranges the wars. And it's connected to the banks and it's connected to the higher positions of power way above the visible governments that dictate to the countries and tell them what to do. This is really happening, unfortunately. And in the 60s, we had some understanding of it. In fact, I remember um, in the university, we stayed. We had movies sometimes and on campus, and we stayed up one night and watched an old movie from the 50s, and it was called War Games. I don't know if you can even find it anymore. No, it's not the Matthew Broderick version, which was a really good one, too. This was black and white, and it was a realistic movie about a very believable scenario of uh, war, nuclear war between America and the Soviet Union, which was, it was the Soviet Union at that time, not Russia, in the same place. And um, both sides were building up 
nuclear arsenals that were way more than they needed for total obliteration of the whole world. It was a, a principle or a basic uh, doctrine at that time called overkill, meaning that you know you're only doing this not no money involved or anything uh, low level like that. It was all to save the world. And the way it was going to save the world is you needed what's called a deterrent. So if those were the two main nuclear powers at the time, I don't know of countries that had uh, any noticeable nuclear weapons besides the U.S. and the Soviet Union. But, um, you know, Israel hadn't even been formed at that time and well, yeah, now we're talking about the 60s, so it had been formed, but I, I'm not sure. We just knew about, through the regular news, the uh, nuclear arsenals of the U.S. and the Soviet Union. And the idea was that each side should build up as much extra nuclear power as they possibly could so that they could obliterate the other side uh, 40 times and the other side could only kill the first side maybe 30 times. And, the, and they kept, you know, each one tried to get more and more and more over the other one. And uh, that was the idea. And we knew being sent off to Vietnam, that was part of the whole grand chessboard, as Brzezinski talked about it, um, organizing this game of monopoly or chess on the world stage at the expense of um, the humans, which they considered still you know, even in the early times, useless eaters and subject to eventual extermination. And we didn't realize at that time that they were working on a plan of total destruction for all life on the planet. Most people don't realize that now, but that's where it's intended to go unless uh, we either get some intervention from divine intervention or some other source that's going to save us. There's a lot of people waiting for the ETs to come in and save us, and a lot of people saying that uh, God won't allow it to happen and all that. But regardless of whether we get reprieved that way or not, um, we need to do our part. And at that time, we, we realized it. So we stayed up all night watching this movie. Well, the movie didn't last all night. We stayed up watching the movie War Games, and nobody could sleep after that including the professors that watched it. And it was so well done. And if you could find it, you know, let me know. I don't know if it's still around anywhere. It was from in the 50s, black and white. And so we stayed up all night with the professors talking about what can we do to not just stop the spread of weapons, because weapons are not, you know, contrary to what the media is telling us all the time, weapons are not what causes the problem. They're not. Uh, and if you ban weapons and one person breaks it, then they use the weapons that they've got to do bad things. The, I don't see any way around that escalating cycle of each side threatening the other one without a basic change in consciousness. And I don't think that's going to voluntarily come from uh, the people in charge of the world right now. And there's a very complex structure in charge of the world. So I think it's going to have to come from you. That's why we're taking the time to do this show, because it most of us are walking around like uh, little kids who think that they have no uh, power at their disposal, and they're carrying these 
like way beyond nuclear arsenal level power that they could use for healing themselves in the world and they have no clue that that even exists which is not entirely our fault it's that we've been taught that we're powerless for a long time in fact thousands of years ago even though they didn't have the technology they knew some of the psychology just like now and there were people controlling things then that were organizing wars and um, all kinds of nasty things and they knew that they had to keep the population unconscious of who they were anyway we're just you know getting a little bit of a glimpse of this in the 60s and so there there were songs written by some of these music groups like country joe and the fish was a really good one i recommend you listen to that song that they have about vietnam and i remember the line in that song i remember being there and watching them and it was like, it's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam. And Vietnam, and then it goes on from there. And it's like, yeah, they weren't fighting for anything they believed in at all. They had an idea that this, um, this ruse, that you're going to stop the spread of communism, was probably not the whole story or even the real story at all. And it wasn't because, yeah, communism is terrible. The people in, in the universities nowadays, many of them, think it must be wonderful because the media's been pushing it and the school system's been pushing it for quite a while and they're really promoting it now. I know the, the leader of Canada says that it's his model that he admires the most. Uh, the dictators over there that are using communist dictators, he thinks are the greatest rulers because they can really get things done quickly. He's on Trudeau's on tape saying that actually it's amazing. Makes you wonder how we could possibly be electing people like this and, and the monsters all over the U S that are in the federal government and many of the state governors. There's some good ones now, fortunately coming in, but really monster governors who do things like, promote the lockdowns and uh, one famous one in Michigan I think she's in Michigan said uh, to keep you really safe we have to make it illegal to buy garden seeds I mean how I think they're checking whether we're completely dumbed down or you know whether we show any signs of life and consciousness at all yet and there hasn't been a lot of sign of life there's been some complaints but you don't hear much about what the answer is going to be. Anyway, back at that time, we were just thinking that, uh, you know, in this flower child period, which since then we've learned, you know, that was instigated by the CIA for nefarious purposes, like all kinds of other things. The women's movement was started by the deep state to break up families. And I mean, it's pretty amazing, even if you're used to this stuff, to find out the real depth of it. So it was going on in the 60s, and we did have um, really stupid negative groups like SDS, Students for Democratic Society. You know, just like now, Democrat was being equated with communist, and the students thought it was really cool because as just like Marx and Engels wrote in their manifesto that they'd get rid of all the evil, oppressive, uh, rich people, which actually is anybody that's succeeding in making a living very well at all. And all the oppressed uh, workers were going to rise up and create utopia 
it's really dumb, but it works well on populations that fall for nonsense. And then when everything falls apart and the whole country is destroyed and everybody's starving, except for the utopian rulers, then they say, what happened? It must have been a capitalist in there somewhere, you know, that, that ruined everything. But we were just thinking idealistically. And in those music festivals, a few things were really evident. One was um, incredible talent and energy in the music, in a lot of the music. But the other thing was that almost everybody was just totally wiped out on drugs in the audience, too. But definitely the uh, most of the performers. And if you look at the old pictures of Monterey Pop Festival in Woodstock, it's very self-evident um, that everybody was into drugs. And I remember when I first got to the university, that was the case. It was really obvious. It was like, you know, kids getting away from their parents for the first time. So anything that they weren't allowed to do or that was considered bad, they should immediately do it because they're grown up and free and independent. And they didn't realize that, yeah, the desire to feel good and feel free and tune into different levels of consciousness is completely good, as far as I can tell. I mean, so many decades later, I still believe in that completely. It's just how you do it has a big impact on the results. And what I found, you know, as a independent health scientist since that time and just an investigator of governments and um, higher-level power structures and a consultant to some of those people, it's a if you use the drugs, it does things to your mind and, and your physical brain, the two of which are not synonymous, that you're not going to like. And even the so-called natural ones that are being promoted by some organizations that I think are really good and well-meaning, what they call plant medicine, I think that's a big mistake to get involved in that because the main reason even though it can be organic and completely natural and all that. And it wasn't, I mean, it was done a little bit back in the 60s with the mushroom stuff and uh, peyote and things like that. But what I've noticed is that there's an energy field around humans that is protective if it's operational and if it's active. And it, it stretches out at least, you know, maybe 15 feet in the main part, beyond the core of the physical body. And it's, one of the things it does is it protects you from um, a real negative feature called psychic attack, which the government's heavily involved in, and so are other unfriendly entities. But it also separates you from other types of entities that I, I would say are on levels of astral existence that to me are just people that don't have physical bodies but we're not ready to handle interaction with them and there's good ones and bad ones and friendly and unfriendly and all that and your energy field when it's healthy it separates you from them so that they can't take you over and there are ways to break that energy field so that you're left unprotected a common way is addictions to drugs, for example, including alcohol, cigarettes, marijuana, all that kind of stuff. Not because you're evil if you take drugs. It has, it's not about that at all. It's not a religious thing. It's a physiological thing. If you 
get addicted to a, the effect of a drug on your brain, it one of the side effects is that it, it compromises the protective energy field. And it's not a very good thing to do. So all the people that were encouraged by covert government entities to start getting on drugs all the time in the 60s, they probably knew at the higher levels that that was one of the effects it would have. And that would, um, among all the people that thought they were promoting love and freedom and those things, it would actually turn them into a very negative direction. And that was happening and people were falling right into it with no idea. But, you know, I was fortunate I didn't fall for most of that and, and realize I didn't understand it, but something told me you know, this is really stupid. You, you you probably shouldn't do it. And I was involved in music. I was playing as a musician at that time. And um, we would have spontaneous sessions at the university, which were great. Um, and most of the people would fall for some kind of drug. And the most common one was marijuana at that time. And, and they, the people on the drug would think, wow, we sound so good. It's incredible. And anybody, if there was anybody around who wasn't on marijuana or some other heavier duty drug, they would say, no, you don't sound good at all. You're, you're missing the notes. You're not singing on key. You know, you're, you're out of time, etc." And And they couldn't tell when they were under the influence of the drug. <clears throat> some of the um, performers wanted to be higher energy and higher and higher energy and faster speed and especially on guitar and coordination bands and some of the the speed type drugs helped them do that temporarily it's just that um <clears throat> the after effects were not so good and they they became really unstable and started fighting with each other and some got into violent ends and had various bad fates but um the main motivating spirit of getting into all that drug culture that was reflected in a lot of the music of the time was good. It was saying, you know, recognizing that the world is insane, the society of the world is insane, the one that's behind the wars, although we didn't have all the details of how they were being caused. But um, we know that what, there was something wrong about sending people off to a different part of the world just to kill a whole bunch of other people for some undisclosed corporate interest. That didn't seem like a very good thing. And I think we were right about that. So um, there was a lot of investigation of uh, how to have a different state of consciousness so that we wouldn't be drawn to that kind of thing. And that was behind a lot of the drug use. And I remember, you know, like after watching the movie War Games, staying up all night, and talking about how do we change their trajectory the way the world's going toward destruction, toward global suicide. And we were also aware of the environmental situation, which has gotten much worse since that time. I mean, the smog is less in some of the cities, but uh, the plastics contamination and everything that I've been excommunicated by a number of uh, conservative leaders and commentators that say, you idiot, Richard, what are you, some kind of a leftist? This environmental stuff is all nonsense. And there's really not any environmental emergency. That's all total bunk. And the only thing about that is it's not. I mean, 
Rachel Carson wrote a book about it, The Silent Spring in the 60s, which is the period that we're talking about. And she was not incorrect. She was understated, if anything. And I don't know why people have to split into these, you know, partisan groups. Why would you want to do that? Because as soon as you're loyal to a party, whether it's the Republican Party or the Democrat Party or any other, then you know what you have to think. Well, that's crazy. I mean, if you're a Republican and a Democrat says something that's true, why would you not appreciate it and vice versa? So this party thing, I don't see any benefit to it. The parties now in America and most other parts of the world are completely corrupt. And they're just criminal organizations. They don't tell the truth. Now, there's some, in communist countries, there may be just one party, which might be okay if it was like the truth party and it was honest, but it's the tyranny party and it's not. And very deadly and dangerous and they're behind a lot of terrible stuff. So we were trying to figure all this stuff out at that time. In fact, I was really involved in the environmental stuff since the early 60s. And um, people think that this concern about climate change and um, atmospheric gas ratios and carbon dioxide and all these others is kind of new. You know, and since I mentioned in the SafeStream show that experts in climate change like AOC have said that there were 12 years before the world ends because we're not doing her Green New Deal or whatever reason she gave. So now I think that was at least a year ago, so maybe we have 11 years left. But some of the other people like that say seven years. And some of them are saying global warming is going to kill us, and then they go buy mansions right on the beach and figure, well, nobody will notice anything wrong with that. They think we're totally dumbed down and that if the climate ever changes, that it's a terrible catastrophe. And they, they don't look deeper into it. They get, we, they, we've been trained to have an allegiance to a certain, not just political party, but a belief system or whatever it is. And if you divert from the party line, then you're bad and you have to be eliminated. Hopefully not totally, but, you know, gotten out of the way. So we were, we recognized that certain things from all these different sides were true and they should be appreciated. So we were really at a serious interest in, in the climate and the atmospheric gases in the mid-60s. And I had a couple of friends who wrote a book called Survival of Civilization who would be looked at as, I guess, extreme liberals at this point, but we didn't care what the label was. It was just labels are stupid. They're, they're a mechanism to get you to dumb yourself down so the rulers don't have to do it. And at that time, it looked like... Um, it was going to get cold. It was going to get really cold. And there was going to be a new ice age. And so we were studying the relationship between ice ages and everything else, including soil mineralization. And it turned out that the there are cycles and cycles of things in the world, and most of it's way beyond what current level science is aware of. Science as it exists now has become mostly memorization of acceptable material and what group are you aligned with? You know, I'm aligned with this climate group or that uh, non-climate group or, 
you know, that my issue is the only one that makes sense because if it's not paid attention to, all the others will be moved. Every one of them says a version of that. And, and I think there's just so much ego in it. See, you don't have to be defensive of anything like that because if your cause really is the most obvious or the most important or anything else about it, whatever is true is going to be true no matter what anybody thinks. It's not an ego thing or a taking offense thing or anything. That just destroys the actual objectivity about it. So we realized that in the 60s, we didn't know for sure what was going to happen to the weather, but we knew that it was tied to everything else in nature, including the gas ratios and actually soil minerals were a critical issue with um, weather patterns. And that there was a cycle of ice ages that repeated. I think we thought that there, the time between the ice age cycles was like fifteen to 20,000 years, something like that, but probably greatly variable. And that we're near the end of an interglacial period right now, which means that we're getting closer to the onset of another ice age. And we thought that was going to be accelerated by CO2. CO2 build up in the atmosphere to high levels. It wasn't until decades later that I found out that, oh, we're in a low time of CO2 right now. This is just totally being portrayed intentionally wrong, that they zoomed in on a part of the graph, which in geological time is just this little tiny piece, and showing that CO2 is higher than it was before. This is a similar trick that they use on graphs for... Uh, diseases, infectious diseases like smallpox versus vaccination. And if you, the trick is if you just zoom into the last part of the graph that it looks like vaccines cured smallpox and eradicated it. Complete lie. Okay. I mean, no truth to it at all. And it was sanitation and hygiene that brought that graph down to almost nothing. And then they started vaccine vaccines to take the credit for it and it's the same with the co2 levels they used to be massively higher and the plant growth reflected it because co2 is plant food and then plants give off more oxygen and um, it works out very nice for all life forms in fact it works out maybe better than we want because some of the life forms when the oxygen levels and the co2 levels were you know at the whole atmosphere was a different configuration CO2 percentage was higher. Some of those animals got really big, including some of the insects. And some of the uh, amphibious animals and stuff were gigantic compared to now. But it wasn't a catastrophe or anything like that. And the people um, know that, that there's no correlation between CO2 and temperature worldwide at all. And the only way you know that is look at the longer graph, which the climate people don't want to show you. And you and just compare it without worrying what side you defend. Just as soon as you take the attitude, I only want to know what's true. And I'm happy to correct my own mistakes anytime because that's great. It means I'm getting closer to the truth. And um, that's an uncommon point of view now that's got to, needs to come back so that we can have more progress in knowledge. But the point is in the 60s, we knew the environment was the life support system of the planet. 
and that was being trashed, and Rachel Carson was absolutely right. Sorry, some of you conservatives who hate me for that. She was absolutely right. Some of those synthetic chemicals are not meant to be released into the environment. There are some that break down in a reasonable period of time and some that don't. And that there are some that break down into worse uh, compounds than they started as. And that's well known. And that's not even to mention things like plastics, which had not reached anything like the current level back when Rachel Carson was around. So I was really interested in organic agriculture. And um, I was fortunate because the university I went to I had this guy who just showed up the year before whose name was Alan Chadwick, and he was a student of Rudolf Steiner, a guy with great insight into nature, and we learned all about organic agriculture long before the National Organic Program was going on, and we thought, wow, everybody's going to be so happy to hear this, and at the same time, remember, I was doing the health science work, so I was finding, you know, the things that people could do for cancer and all these degenerative diseases. I was really naive, more than now. And um, I thought, wow, everybody's going to be so happy to hear that you can uh, get rid of your cancer and arthritis and, um, you know, all these other major degenerative diseases, including mental disorders and all these things. You just had to do certain things to your body and then coordinate that with certain mind mind improvements and your body would heal itself. It was an amazing concept. But what it leads to realizing is that, um, yeah, we, we're our body, the costume we're wearing here that we think is ourself, our physical body, it was designed for self-healing. It's not like a tractor or something that has to fall apart when it's old and just rusts and falls into pieces or something like that. That's not how it works. If that's happening so much that it's considered to be normal, then it means there are mistakes that we're making that we're not aware of. Not our fault, but, you know, we need to become aware again and and have some real education. So we were learning about all these great things, and I was doing a lot of research at the time about environmental stuff and about physical health and about aging and how to reverse that. Um, I felt like that was really important, and I thought, you know, there are people who are not getting good food in the world, and we should try to help them all, and people who are sick and they don't have to be sick, and they're are wars going on that are just for these corrupt corporations, which I had no idea of the depth at the time. And remember, there was no internet. There was no, nobody had, nobody knew what a cell phone was. I got the first one of those two decades later. Well, almost two decades, 1980. Uh, it was a big 10 pound thing that sat in the car and was hooked up to the car system. But, um, we had really high aspirations at that time, and we were doing a lot of music. I wasn't doing drugs, um, but a lot of people were, and mostly they were doing the drugs to say, let's get our normal way of feeling back. Our, our normal state as humans is not to run around with low energy, depressed, you know, no matter what's happening in the world. We need to be strong. We need to be feeling how we're normally supposed to feel that this is our energy level is like really important. And the performers in the music industry 
had a reason to, to really go after that because they were expected to have super high energy every time they walked on a stage. The, the shows I was doing were just little private sessions that didn't even have a stage. We're just doing it for fun. But the real high-paid performers had to get this high energy every time they performed, and they, almost all the ones that I know of were doing it with drugs. So they're making a big mistake, although it's understandable. Um, we wanted to help the world, and so we didn't know what was coming. We could never have imagined what's happening now. Because we're in, I mean, there are great people all over the place now. And there's strong signs of awakening and people quietly or marching out in the street, either one or realizing, no, this is not normal. Dystopic science fiction movie is not supposed to be real life. But it's the plan for it to be real life, you know. And even the people that are working within the power structure intentionally trying to help it enslave humanity have different levels of understanding. And this took me decades to put together because I didn't understand what was going on. After I learned about organic agriculture and how you can heal yourself and this aging stuff is completely abnormal, most of it's unnecessary. And a lot of our previous mistakes that we've all made can be turned around to some extent. And it's worth learning how to do that. That's why I became a consultant and started doing things like that to try to teach it as I learned it myself. But um, we didn't really know why the insanity in the world. Um, the media wasn't as bad as it is now. Uh, most of the kids in college were not falling for socialism and communism. Everybody was okay with the fact that there were only two genders. I mean, now that's radical and offensive and all this stuff. No, it's just obvious biology you're not assigned to gender at birth that is such nonsense you know but the fact that any of us fell for it is kind of a testimony to where we are right now and how successful the dumbing down program has been most of us in the 60s didn't fall for communism and socialism and we knew that the utopias that they promised were always turned into somehow turned into enslaving everybody and starvation which we've seen modern examples of all over the place. And we're about to see a global one if we don't do something different than we're doing now. The agenda is an elite group controlling the people who all think they're going to get a utopia and they get to become slaves who are starving to death. But there's an agenda above that, which is not told to the people running the lower agenda to just enslave people. And the agenda above that is everyone dies. That's the top-level agenda. And I know I don't hear many people saying that. Alex is getting close now. I'm watching the evolution, but it's a suicide mission for the people at the top of the power structure. They don't plan to survive it. Um, They're going through steps. They're not doing it quickly because it's a ceremonial sacrifice at the base. But their, their agenda is for total extermination of life. And they figure that they will get their reward on the astral level once the sacrifice is over. And that's the answer to why they are willing to kill themselves and their own families. That's the reason, as far as I can tell now. If I find out 
otherwise or more, I'll let you know right away. But that's the result of decades of digging into that. But compared to now, things were relatively normal in the 60s. It was just getting started. Drug medicine was still bad. Um, a lot more doctors than now thought for themselves. They weren't controlled by computers because they didn't have computers. So no, there were no programs saying, if patient has disease A, give them treatment B. That's what it is now. And if you deviate from that as a doctor, you're in trouble. Back in, in the 60s, it was more, the person was acting, they were, you know, brainwashed with drugs still. They were drug dealers, but they were well-meaning drug dealers and they were allowed to think for themselves and say, well, this drug might help you, but you could do this thing and you wouldn't need it. And they, they were able to give you more um, more honest feedback from what they knew. Vaccines were still maiming and killing people in the 60s, no question. They're a total fraud. They've been maiming and killing people since 1796, at least. And all the stuff about eradicating disease. You can... All you guys who are censoring and monitoring who are satisfied for the moment with the shadow banning of us, which is extreme, um, if you ever get a quiet moment to think about whether silencing true things is a good idea, you really should think about it because you're responsible and it affects your own growth, which you really need to pay attention to. And maybe or maybe not anybody there will listen. But... um, but the vaccine dealers had no liability protection. That was waiting on Reagan in 87. And Reagan, I met Reagan in the 60s. And I think, like Trump, that he's a really good man because of loving his country. That's why he had to be stopped. Reagan shot, uh, Trump removed and hated for five years by the media campaign. But they made such huge errors in judgment Reagan gave legal immunity to the vaccine makers. And there's a great movie called The Act that you ought to watch that's about that. You can get it, look it up on Decenter or DuckGo or some good start uh, search engine. Um, So they didn't have legal liability protection at that time in the 60s. So when they would kill people or kill your whole family or kill your kids, they actually got sued. And so those vaccine makers went to Congress in the 80s and they said, you know, this is a terrible situation. You really need vaccines to be safe and healthy. Everybody does. It's something that, I mean, obviously God made a mistake. He didn't create vaccines right off the bat. So the scientists had to save the world from one of God's big omissions. And the problem was that people weren't enlightened enough to realize that when you get something injected into you and you die, or your child dies, or they're ruined for life, that it's really a sign of protecting the public. It's not really damage. And so they were getting sued by these people who didn't understand the depth of that. And they said "Look to Congress, look, we can't keep providing you these wonderful protections because they're killing everybody and we're getting sued. We can't stay in business. And Congress, no doubt... Uh, acting under the influence of bribes and, uh, and blackmail and threats and to their families and stuff, said, you know, that makes perfect sense. If everybody's being killed by your product, you need 
liability protection because, um, I mean, like, forget it. If you don't have liability protection, you're not going to be able to make a profit. Anybody can understand that. And they presented it to Reagan, and he was certainly not any health expert, and he he hadn't done any of the research on this, and plus he was told what he had to sign. So he signed it, and that led to the current weaponization of injections that are intended to kill most of the world's population. And um, it's not working as well as it's expected. It was planned to because a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, you're saying safe and effective, but all these people are dying, including famous ones, and I know you're doing a great job not covering it on the media. But there are some private media channels or non, non-censoring media channels that are covering it. And some famous people are actually making videos about what happened to them if they lived. And so maybe it's not totally safe and effective. I know that is a radical thing to look at, but people are realizing it. So, But back in the 60s, there were only a few vaccines given because it was too expensive to be sued all the time. Chemical agriculture was still doing its damage, really you know, helping the so-called health industry a lot by keeping everybody sick and making you get this thing they call aging, you know, which destroys you over time in unnatural ways. But there were no GMOs. None of us had ever heard of a GMO. We didn't know what a GMO was. And uh, there was no Roundup. There were a lot more small farms. Uh, At the university, since I was fortunate to work with Alan Chadwick, we were giving away organic produce and flowers this was long before organic was even known uh, to the general public. The USDA hadn't gotten into it, and they since took it over so that they could degrade it and make uh, hydroponics organic and all this nonsense to, d- to downgrade the value of organic. It's still way better than what they call conventional. So when you see conventional produce in a store that sells both, um, translate conventional means poisoned literally and it's probably not a good idea to save a few dollars by getting that i've been in positions where i had no money and had to decide organic or conventional but i already knew the difference and so i would eat less and just have it at least organic um so i realized once i was learning all this idealistic stuff in the late 60s and starting to realize wow most of most of the medical industry is actually not even necessary. It's harmful. It's counterproductive. I read the book by, not the book, but the scientific paper by uh, a couple of doctors called Death by Medicine, Gary Nolan, Carolyn Dean. And that was great. And their conservative estimate was that our, our conventional health system kills about 1 million people a year in America. That's significant, even though It's a lot of people, and it's hard to realize those are a million individuals. Most of that was by supposedly properly prescribed medical drugs, and some of it was by mistakes, and some of it was indirect. Uh, But it started me on several decades of investigation. What is going on? We have all these natural cures for things that are actually real. (laughs) You know, we talked about Rudolph Bruce and people like that. They always get arrested and killed if possible. And we have uh, the technology for free and clean energy. Anybody that's worried about energy technology pollution 
it hasn't been necessary for at least a hundred years. You know, it was demonstrated by Stanley Meyer driving a, I think it was a dune buggy all over the U.S. on water alone. And that's a long story we don't have time for right now. But he was killed, and he had no idea. You know, the, the problem is there's always something that people are ignorant of. You know, Reagan was saying government is the problem. We need less regulation, less of government just stealing everybody's money and everything. And he was right, but he didn't understand health. And he didn't understand what he signed in the act. And he made a lot of other mistakes. But the reason he had to be shot to, to calm him down so he wouldn't get too radical about what he said is that his motive was to help his country. You can't have a president like that. Same thing happened with Kennedy. It doesn't matter what party they're in. Same thing happened with Trump. He made massive mistakes, but he did things that were unacceptable to the power structure because he was really honestly trying to help his country. And he just went totally crazy on the vaccine thing. He's still talking out of office as a president in exile, actually, that his greatest accomplishment was this warp speed crime, which actually made him complicit in the mass murder of millions of people all over the world, if not billions. Pretty serious. So, you know, how do you avoid those holes in understanding? We have work to do in self-education. And it takes time. I mean, I'm, as an old person now, I'm, I'm feeling like it takes at least the first hundred years because we have short lifespans. So a hundred is, you have to make do with that. It takes at least the first hundred years just to get your bearings and understand, hopefully, if you're paying attention, some of your basic lessons. Um, but I started at that point uh, investigating the power structure. And I, and I took it all the way uh, up to the top level of non-human control, demonic controllers, which are very real. And you get Satanists who know what they're doing will tell you that. They see them. They see them appear and they take orders from them, and that's where this is coming from. Um, I can't tell you from experience whether there's one guy that's called the devil or not, but I can certainly vouch from personal experience that there are demonic entities that are not friendly, and you don't want to meet one. But we have, what I found out later, is we, the nature of us being created in the image of God, as they say, is so much more powerful than any of these silly demonic entities. There's no comparison. The only way they can stay in control is to keep us like, you know, flat on our back unconscious of who we are. And then they can run over us. But if we start to wake up at all, and I don't mean be able to recite the bad things going on in the world, that is not waking up. I'm talking about self-awareness on a deeper level. And if we get that sometime soon, not just one or two of us, but, you know, enough numbers, and it doesn't have to be a huge number, it's all over and this turns around for the better. Um, back then, we didn't have any idea what we were dealing with. There were, you know, things were a lot freer. There was no challenge seriously to the Second Amendment. Free speech was pretty free. There were some crazy people 
communists and things on campus, but everybody was free to talk. We weren't distracted with cell phones or the internet. There was no social media. And yes, people did survive without social media because some of us are still here. Um, There was a lot more direct human interaction. There was a big middle class in America. Easy to get jobs. The gold standard was still in effect. Not officially ended till 1976, so the ma- the money was a lot more sound, and it was harder for the central bank, which in America is called the Federal Reserve, to destroy the economy like they're doing now. Now they've now they're well on the way. Um, most people had no idea really what was happening in the outside world, but it hadn't really closed its grip on them yet. Um, there was no real major promotion of racism by the media like there is now where we're all supposed to hate white people. This thing about white people and black people and yellow people and all this is nonsense. We're spirit. How dumb do we have to be to be racist against so-called white people or so-called black or brown or yellow or red? We're all people. If we just drop that Overnight, things would get a lot better in the world. And, you know, the few of us or the number of us that can grasp that need to make that change in ourselves, like the man in the mirror song. And then it spreads to other people even if you don't talk. Because um, even though, like in The Lord of the Rings, toward the end of it when Mortar was getting stronger and the Dark Lord was gaining power, gradually infiltrating every part of society. That's what's been going on in our world from the 60s to now. And they've gotten into education. It's a complete mess. The the media, telecommunications, is a weaponized frequencies to make you sick and kill you. It's not a good thing. It's not just 5G. It's all the Gs before that. The geoengineering where they're flying jets all over the world not just to mess up the weather, which they know is a major component of it. It really destabilizes the natural weather patterns to drop all these toxic metals and other things in the atmosphere. And they know that completely. They know that they're not stabilizing it like the spokesman on TV would say, oh yeah, this is going to cool the planet and make everything great. No, they know it's going to block out critical sunlight, which photosynthesis needs. It may be down by about 22% or so at this point. But it's also poisoning life. It's not just to mess up the weather, which it's doing well. It's to destroy life, and it's well on the way to that. we got Agenda 21, Agenda 30, 2030. All the UN subgroups like the World Economic Forum and, and the uh, all the ones connected to that. The agenda's gotten much better connected, much better technology and communications and the media sellout, all you guys working for the media that is knowingly censoring truth and blocking what's needed to heal the planet in the name of uh, getting rid of misinformation, which you know is not true. Uh, the media sellout to evil has become much more complete. So now the rulers are figuring we're too dumbed down to see what's happening and they're being right out in the open. And they figure we're too weak and too sick from the medical system to resist. And they've infiltrated the good organizations like Oath Keepers and all the others that they're demonizing right now. 
healthcare is totally weaponized and Carrie Manet says it's non-existent. I'm trying to go fast because we're out of time and I've got a couple other things I want to get to. Um, so the planned sequence of our destruction, which we have to reverse, this is not about saying everything's lost. I wouldn't waste my time. Okay, if it was hopeless, I would not be here. I'd just probably be in meditation or doing something to strengthen connection with non-physical levels so that when everything here was killed, I'd just make that transition smoothly. But I'm here, and so are a lot of other people talking, because it's not hopeless at all. That's a big scam. It's absolutely the opposite of hopeless. In fact, the positive side, the light, or whatever you'd like to call it, the side aligned with God, spirit, the reality behind those beliefs, that can't be killed. Actually, you can't be killed either. You can go through death, and I can speak to that from experience, but you can't be killed. You can be, just be forced to change costumes. That's a subject for some other time. But it's not, not only is it not hopeless, things are guaranteed to work out for the, for the good, but what I'm here talking for is if we make a change sooner, we can avoid all this uh, unpleasantness that they're ramping up toward now that the rulers think they're guaranteed to do. We don't need a dark age. We don't need everybody to go on suffering in horrific ways because everybody you see suffering worldwide is just as important as you or me. They're just, they are you or me in another form. That's why somebody famous said, love your neighbor as yourself. It wasn't imagine they're like yourself they are like yourself they are yourself in another form if you get nothing else from all this but just let that soak in that'll just totally change your existence and we have a chance to do that now um, our job is to wake up on all the levels not just a bunch of stuff that you talk about it's still possible um it's underway, but how fast will it be? You know, we've, we've got to, I think our job includes not just for ourselves, although that's where the hidden PowerPoint really is, but to work on ourselves to the point where we can influence the ones who are trying to do the destruction. We don't need to hurt them or destroy them. They're like us underneath all their hideous programming, and that can be broken. They're prisoners. They're worse prisoners than we are. And we need to start a real and positive pandemic of consciousness and healing of the world. And parents need to homeschool little kids as much as they can. Uh, and the kids and parents both have a new commitment to learning, real learning, not the indoctrination system. Um, new economy based on uh, Profit with the caveat of ethics, not just profit at any cost like we have now. Banks financing anything that will make a profit, especially war and anything that destroys the world. Um, we don't want to keep doing that, obviously. No world-destroying businesses. Freedom, but with self-respect and respect for others and as much local self-sufficiency as possible. Anywhere in the world, that's national security. And start networking for this new world creation now and just make an internal commitment to waking yourself up you make a big mistake when you think the main thing is to go around changing everybody else we have to change ourselves 
And if you're brave enough to do that, most people are not at that stage. You're guaranteed to affect everybody else in a good way. And we've got a positive international initiative starting in the next few weeks that I'll be hopefully be able to tell you more about soon. Um, because, yeah, I'm not saying like John Lennon that we should have no countries. We need country barriers right now and borders. This is something that Trump was right about. Borders have to be protected no matter what country you're in. If you don't have borders, you're just a free-for-all area. You're not a country and you'll get overrun uh, by design usually. So you need borders. But countries in the current state of consciousness can still cooperate with each other and get good good people into positions of trust instead of the uh, kind of rulers that we've got now. And we can still do that. First part of it is a commitment to yourself to start real learning. What's going on? Who are you? What's your normal state of health? What do you have to do to keep that? Why? What if you don't want to get old? And no, I don't mean you should die young. <laughs> I mean you should get old in years, but feel fine. That's interested me for a long time, and, and there's a lot that we can do. So learn, learn. It's Learning is not drudgery. It's super exciting if it's real. Find out about yourself. That's the number one point. And you change everything. You're already affecting everybody in the world through frequency. It's not some kind of conspiracy theory. It's real. Cell towers are not the only thing putting out frequency. Every living being is. Humans the most powerful. Become conscious of it. See what you can do with it. Not to manipulate others, but change yourself and the frequency reflects that. So anyway, we're late. I'm sorry to be late. I'm way over time. Um, remember the Sunday show tomorrow. We've got great guests on that one. You don't have to just listen to me. And uh, I feel really fortunate to meet all these incredible people that are on the Sunday show. And then um, you can support us if you want. You notice the number of commercials that we run during the show. Pay attention to that. And if you've got resources and you want to help us stay on the air as long as we can on this or other platforms, we've got donate buttons at lawstartsradio.com. We need your help. And um, subscribestar.com is another way to do it. Subscribestar.com slash lawstartsradio. You'll see the details there. And... Um, any ideas or feedback, you're always welcome to give us. And if you are one of those people that sees this as not just a momentary entertainment, but something you know that we're really serious about trying to share and do the work, not just a new idea, not just a new belief, not a new religion of some kind or a cult, to you know get through all the labels and beliefs and things to be offended about and defend and just drop all that junk and get to what's real. And if you're wanting to work more on that in a supportive environment, Planetary Healing Club starts in 22 minutes. And access to that can be gotten at planetaryhealingclub.com. If you have questions about that, whether it's worth your time and there's a small membership fee, is just about the only thing that's keeping us going right now. So I'm sorry. We, I, I was going to say we'd do it for free if we could. But, you know, Everybody who's gotten in there who's been starving to death and wanting to join anyway, I've let them in for free and they just don't even pay attention. It's a weird psychological thing. Um, 
there may be exceptions, but that's the group that we're using to um, actually do the work that we've been hinting at the whole time. And we have a lot, a lot ahead to still accomplish, and um, the time is valuable, so we need to use it well. Anyway, thanks for your patience and being here. Remember that if we disappear on any of these individual platforms, which is almost inevitable, we're showing up on other ones. Stay in touch at lostartsradio.com and uh, feel free to send in feedback. There are contact forms on the sites, lostartsradio.com, lostartsresearchinstitute.org. Always nice to hear from you and um, feel really privileged to be in your presence. I feel like you're the key to what could be and can be an incredibly bright future and you're the central person so take a look at where you're going use your time well take care of yourself it's completely the most benevolent thing and generous thing to do for everybody else is take better care of yourself and take a minute to evaluate that make improvements it's going to help everybody you care about which is basically the world And um, thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time. And I'll see some of you in the club meeting in 20 minutes. Take it easy. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program, offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our Subscribestar levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. 
The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the band ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.